Hey guys, so yeah, thank you, Eunice. I uh, appreciate the intro. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's actually very, I guess, yeah, you could say historical for me to be up here. Uh, and I know a lot of you guys know me. Uh, my name is Joe, uh, and I'm from New York. Uh, I'm sure we talked before at some point, and I've shared a little bit of my story. But this is me uh, getting, not only for you guys to know me, but for you guys to really know me. I know the story that God has put on my heart. Uh, the story that God has placed in my in my life. Uh, you guys know me, but you guys don't really know me. And this is for for me to share with you. I'm not just telling you a story. I'm not just telling you a testimony. I'm telling you truth. Uh, what God did in my life is not only for me, it's for you. Uh, it's truly for you. So take this testimony as your own. Uh, I'm not just going to tell you what God did in my life and keep it for myself. It's, it's what God did in my life for you to multiply. Uh, it's truly for you to grab, take home, and multiply. Um, so I'll just t- tell a little background information about myself. I, w- I lived all over the States. Uh, I was born in California. I moved to New York. I moved to New Jersey. I moved to Tennessee. I moved back to Jersey. I moved back to New York, and I go to in Boston. Uh, talk about identity crisis, right? But uh, I, I, I lived all over, and that helped me get along with a lot of people. I was able to adapt very well, and th- that's one of the reasons why I'm able to adapt with you guys, talk to a lot of different people, because I had to do that. Uh, I went to, like, two different uh, high schools, Three different middle schools, two different elementary. Like, I was everywhere. Um, and, you know, it was very hard for me at first, but I got used to that. I really got used to traveling, uh, going around. And I went to Boston because it was a fast-paced life, a lot of diversity, ethnicities. <clears throat> I was able to uh, get away uh, with uh, white friends, Asian friends. Uh, I also joined a fraternity. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys know what a fraternity is, but it's like a bunch of guys or a bunch of girls. Sororities are girls. Uh, guys, it's a fraternity. We, we, you know, party. Just party. They, t- they say we do, you know, volunteer work. It's just party. Trust me. It's, it's a lie. It's, it's to you to it's make, make us sound good. But uh, it's really to party and, and just uh, get to know people that way. And I was able to get along with a lot of different people. Uh, and I, I say that because that's where my heart was at at the time. And uh, I actually want to actually start off with prayer. How about that? Um, if you guys would bow with me. Yeah, dear God, I thank you for this uh, day. Thank you, Lord, for this moment, God, that you've allowed me, God, just a a student just a year ago, uh, to come up here, Lord, and just share with you, God, the word that you're putting uh, on our hearts, God, on our minds right now, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are uh, just opening up hearts right now, God. I pray for an awakened mind, awakened spirit, Lord. Help us to connect, God, right now with your truth, God. Help every single word, Lord, to be led by the spirit, Lord, not led by my own flesh, my own understanding, Lord, I don't even care if I stutter. Lord, I don't care if I mess up, Lord. I pray, God, for you to speak through me, Lord, today, right here. God, I pray for your wisdom. Holy Spirit, Lord, just take control of my body, my words, God, right here. Lord, I give it all to you, and I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this testimony. So uh, let me start off with a Bible verse as well. Psalm 37, verse 4. I'll go to it real quick. Verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Short and sweet, right? So I thought if I delighted myself in the Lord, I could ask for whatever, you know, because he would just give me the desires of my heart. But I didn't really know what that meant. Um, and I thought it was all around my own satisfaction and my uh, own pleasures. Um, so basically, I came to uh, Korea in 2012, as you saw, spring 2012, uh, to study abroad at Yonsei for one semester and with one mindset, uh, to party like I've never partied before. At this point, you guys know I'm a party boy. Um, and of course, past my classes, I, I, I was studying engineering at Northeastern University and I had to take some engineering classes at Unsa and I had to pass them. I, and they were all letter grades as well. 
But halfway through the semester, I found out um, you don't really need to pass. You just need to attend. And then they'll give you the A. Because they don't, Yonsei is known for it. I'm, I'm not trying to bash on Yonsei right now. But, uh, yeah, we're at KU, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you just have to attend. They like to promote their study abroad. So they won't fail you no matter what. I failed every single test. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. They're listening. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> hearing so many stories about Yonsei, I was ready uh, to have a great time. So, uh, the surrounding nightlife, I was pumped and ready to go. I made a lot of money for my work. Previously, I worked for six months. Made a lot of money. So I was ready to just spend it all. Uh, shopping, going out. Like all my friends know, I, I shop like crazy. Uh, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, my first couple of weeks and first couple of months here were all, all about partying and drinking. Uh, my thoughts were fully consumed with uh, just dancing the night away and having a good time. I was always the guy buying people shots, rounds, uh, going out buying tables. And uh, I'm sorry if you guys didn't know me back then. That's not happening again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it came to a point where I had to hide my credit card from myself. Um, I'm not even kidding. I hid it and then only took cash. And then we get mad at myself at the night when I ran out of money. It was bad. Uh, I grew up in the church. I grew up all over, uh, like I said, but I always went to church, no matter where I went. Uh, and when I got here, I did not plan on going to church at all. Because it's Sunday, you know, you go out uh, Friday night, Saturday night, I was going to be hungover, and I wanted to just get my homework done. Uh, I don't know if that resonates with y'all, but um, that's, that was me. And I didn't want to go to church. For the first, full, uh, first month, I didn't go to church at all. And uh, my, my grandparents, they actually live here in Yoido. And they would call me every single weekend and be like, hey, did you go to church? And I would say, "Anio," because I would speak to them in Korean. And they would spot, uh, speak so fast in Korean, be like, you know, are, are you, if you don't go to church, we're going to uh, drive and pick you up and make you go to our church. And that's like a straight-up Korean-Korean church. So I said, heck no. And it's mad early. It's like 10 o'clock. So I was like, I'm not going to that. Um, so aside from that, like I said, I was in a fraternity, right? So one day during Yonsei, uh, I was just walking through the hallway. And I saw a guy uh, with my fraternity letters on. So fraternities work, uh, it's like a group, but it's multiple different campuses. So you got one in, like, uh, my school, school over. Like, so we're a big network. That's how we social network and go, uh, get connections and such. Uh, I saw him. He's from North Carolina. And soon became roommates because we got along very well. We're both very outgoing, uh, very fun to be with, and we started to drink together too. So we started to drink together, and then uh, we kicked our roommates out. So I had a roommate at the time. His name... Uh, he was Korean, like straight-up Korean, didn't have, know a uh, lick of English. I kicked him out and put the other guy in my room. Um, it's straight up. No, like, I'm not even kidding. I was like, hey, uh, you know, my broken Korean, you know, told him to leave, and then the other guy moved in. So at this point, we're partying together, going out together, um, you know, um, drinking in our rooms, which wasn't allowed, but, you know, you carry a backpack, you know, they can't see anything. Uh, so I didn't know he went to church, though. So one Saturday night, he, we went out uh, in Shincheon. And we were drinking, and then he was like, yo, Joe, I'm going home early right now. I'm like, yo, it's only 10 o'clock. What are you doing? And he's like, yo, I'm going to church tomorrow. I was like, all right, all right, all right. And I decided to actually go with him. So I went back home uh, early. We call that early. And then uh, <laughs> and then uh, we were like, let me go with you. Because, uh, like I said, my grandparents were uh, threatening me at this point. And uh, so I did. I got up, and um, we were both very hungover. Yeah. <laughs> we're both very hungover. Uh, as... There's a couple testimonies about how even Sarah saw, that's the uh, Sunday I met her, uh, I, I reeked of alcohol uh, going to Sunday service. And I was falling asleep, absolutely falling asleep during the sermon. Uh, me and my buddy, we were not feeling okay. We were hungry and thirsty, and the, hour, the sermon was about like an hour and a half. 
Like I'm never, I'm never coming back, ever. <laughs> but uh, after that sermon, uh, I I met a bunch of people, and also we went out eat, out to eat dinner, and uh, that's when I actually met Sarah Saw for the first time, uh, and we were actually both wearing plaid, and it was weird because she was wearing, I was wearing red, she was wearing blue, and we sat next to each other on a on a barbecue. I don't know if you guys were there, but we go to the same place that. College Welcome Sunday, the same barbecue place, and we sat down next to each other, and we were just mad awkward. Sarah saw later told me that I smelled like alcohol, like crazy. I took a shower. I took a shower, though, uh, and brushed my teeth, I promise. And then uh, that's where we met. We had Kogi together, and she's like, wow, this kid eats a lot. And then uh, that's when I first met her, and even Eunice, too, that, uh, that day. And uh, we actually took a picture together. We want, I wanted to show it, but things got a little hectic, so I'll show it to you guys later. But uh, after, go, uh, after going to church... Um, I also went to uh, Emmaus, so I wasn't going to go even to church, but let alone Emmaus, I kind of went out because my roommate kind of dragged me out. At this point, he's like, yo, I'm going to go because whatever, and then we're going to eat after. And I wanted to eat, and not alone, so I wanted to eat with him. So I went with him, and uh, I was actually, that was my first uh, son, uh, first Emmaus, sorry. And uh, so I, I sat way in the back, like the furthest seat from the back. And I wore a U Miami. I don't know if you guys saw it, actually. I was wearing uh, in the Emmaus uh, recap, you probably didn't catch it, but the view of me doing something weird, I don't know what I was doing. But uh, I was wearing like a bright orange U Miami shirt and a fitted hat. And I actually, I was sitting like this. I was sitting way in the back, and uh, Pastor Aaron, you guys, most of you guys met, she's very prophetic. And this specific Amaze Tuesday, she was hey, we, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for some people now. Uh, so she called someone out in the back. She said, uh, Pastor Aaron called out a student in the back of the room with a bright orange U Miami long sleeve and fitted hat and prophesied over him. That student was me. I remember thinking, and this is not a lie, uh, you've got to be kidding me and rolled my eyes at her. And she saw it because my eyes are huge. So, <laughs> And she literally snapped back, don't roll my eyes at me. and Because uh, she's from Long Island. She don't, she don't play around. And... Uh, no, I'm not even joking. And then she literally uh, prayed over me and prophesied over me. And if I had to write down in a summary of what I was going through at that time, what I was feeling, how I was thinking, what, what my uh, spiritual life was, and gave it to her in a paragraph form, she read it right in front of me. That's how on spot and on point she was. Uh, after that, connections kept pouring out. I kept meeting people that I got not only along with, but people that they knew. So we had mutual friends. And that, for me, blew my mind. I'm in Seoul. I'm on the other side of the world. And I'm meeting people that I know. Uh, whether, like, through a different crazy connection or not, I was meeting people and I was getting connected. Uh, that was very important for me because that kept me going. Uh, and next was the uh, college Emmaus retreat, uh, which we just, uh, we just, not prophesied, we just uh, promoted right here. And I wasn't going to go. I honestly was not going to go until uh, one of our student, uh, our staff from SNU, Rona, I don't know if you met her, very tall, very loud. She, Rona, you're awesome. Um, she shared her testimony uh, of how she was just met God through the retreat, even this college retreat. And I felt at this point, I've been through so many college retreats. Why is this going to be different? Just because we're in Seoul doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, and I, I was like, I really came in with that mentality. Like, God, what are you going to show me? What are you going to do to entertain me today? Uh, that's, that's how I went in. And I remember uh, she gave her testimony, and uh, I thought maybe I should give it a shot. Plus, it was cheaper. The retreat was cheaper, 40000 won, than any night I could ever spend in uh, Korea going out. So cheaper than going out, for sure. So I thought the retreat would uh, change things up and 
change things up and uh, just make things fun uh, for me to new, meet new people because that's something I always enjoyed. Uh, and at the beginning of the retreat, I actually made my familia do this too. At the uh, beginning of the retreat, we wrote a letter to ourselves that only we would read at the end of the retreat. And in this letter, I specifically wrote, and I have it right here in quotes, haven't been talking to God really. No real connection like I've basically given up and given in. Being in Korea, there are too many distractions, too hard to be a Christian that I want or should be. Uh, this just showed how distant I was just, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, and how hopeless I was. I saw no way out. I saw, what can I practically do? What can I practically Because I study engineering. I need to know uh, the next step. I need to know the process. I need to know how I'm going to get there and what I'm going to do next. And for me, the, just faith, I, I did not have a, uh, a grid for it. I, I had no idea what it was, what it meant. What, what, how can I take a leap of faith without knowing? Uh, and that's just the engineer side of me. But uh, throughout the retreat, I felt like I was being directly talked to. All my life, I always claimed that I knew the truth. I grew up in the church, remember, and knew his will. But I never knew why I was the same me. Uh, then Pastor Myungwa, who actually spoke here two weeks ago, uh, one of the speakers of the retreat, said, Truth is like baggage at a baggage claim. Listen, listen up, guys. Truth is like baggage at a baggage claim. You know it's your bag, but you have to claim it. That means you have to see it, claim it, grab it, take it home, unpack it, use what's in it. It's not enough to say, hey, that's mine. And just stand there and just watch it go around. Hey, guys, that's mine. Hey, oh, yeah, check it out. That's mine. No, you have to grab it, take it home. Um, I felt like that line alone broke barriers for me. Pastor Myungwa spoke about God wanting us to prepare a new wineskin uh, before he gave us new wine. I don't know if you guys know anything about wineskins or back in the day. I know you guys buy wine bottles in a, uh, in a glass bottle now. But back in the day, you have to make a pigskin, uh, wrap it up, and make sure it's prepared for the new wine. And you can't use... Uh, old wineskins with new wine. You have to replace the entire thing or it explodes. Uh, and, and this revelation, God wanting us to prepare a new wineskin before the new wine, was powerful for me since I was adamant about keeping my old ways and old mindsets and still trying to gain God's new grace and new love for me. I had a mindset, an old wineskin, that limited his abilities since I didn't want to limit mine. Next thing. So that's the retreat. Uh, next, Eunice, actually, over here, our CD, uh, shared her testimony at an Emmaus Lodge group right after the retreat. Her testimony created a burning desire in my heart for absolute freedom and true worth. That at the end of her testimony, I remember praying to God, promising that I would do whatever it takes to get healed and set free from my bondages and sins and mindsets. No matter how embarrassing or vulnerable I would have to be, I didn't want to waste any more time. I don't know about you guys, but I... I I'm very uh, to-do oriented. I have a schedule. I don't like to waste a minute of my time. Uh, and for me, this was something I felt like the devil was wasting my time, making me, uh, you know, those things where, you know, retreat highs. I don't believe in retreat highs. The devil does, though. He'll give you that retreat high. But as long as you expect to fall, he's going to let you get that retreat high. Uh, so you're wasting your own time just setting yourself up for failure if you believe that you're just going to go to one place and then fall down to the other just because of one sin. Um, God didn't set us up to be that way. He built us up to always be there with him. It's the devil's lie for you to believe that you're, you're always constantly battling uh, with a high or a low. You're always there. Uh, so, yeah, at the end of the, uh, her testimony, I just wanted to uh, really do what it took. But I didn't know what I could do. Uh, and that's, that's I'm going to tell you. <laughs> After this, uh, as the semester progressed, I actually found myself in a weird place, a weird tension I'm not sure if you guys are feeling it yet, but attention between my old ways and my new self. I knew that what I was doing before was wrong and harmful, not only for me, but for those around me. Um, 
and especially my future. I worry about my future all the time. I don't know about you guys, but I plan it out, and I'm, 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 that's why I tried to get an engineer degree. I'm going to set myself up uh, for success. But you know what? Um, yeah, God, God just changed that like crazy. Um, let's see. Drinking and partying weekly only brought me temporary and temporary joy and temporary satisfaction. And every single week, this is what I believe, every single week I would have to party harder and longer to experience the same satisfaction I did just a week earlier. So I'm, at this point, I'm going more broke. Uh, <laughs> more broke, and I'm not sleeping. Um, so it was, it was all kinds of messed up. Uh, but with Emmaus, um, I was discovering who I truly was, a son of God, that I was to honor my body and keep my body holy as a temple. Um, and like I said, with this turbulence, I don't know if you're feeling it, but uh, when I did, I, I, I got clarity and received clarity from Pastor Aaron about what it really meant to uh, have that tension. Uh, and I don't know if you guys know anything about airplanes. I'm sure you got flown in one every now and then. Have you ever experienced turbulence going through uh, the air, praying to God the hardest for 30 seconds, and then as soon as it stops, you're back on that TV? Come on, that was me. That was me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> but I prayed, and I thought I was praying in tongues, too. Like, I was going fast, you know? Oh, my God. You know, like, um. <laughs> but something I, I learned about, something that's very similar with turbulence is as soon as, uh, turbulence is really, you bring it through a new layer of the atmosphere. Bring through a, a, a new layer, uh, and there's pressures. So the, for an airplane, what they do is as soon as they hit the t- turbulence, they go faster. The pilots actually, um, make the plane go a little faster so it could go through the turbulence faster and safer. Uh, what we do when we hit turbulence, we often think we hit that weird funk area in the air. And we're, we're like, yo, God, I'm doing good. I'm going out to church now. I kind of stopped drinking. I kind of stopped doing that. But, you know, it's, you know I, I'm not sure if I like it anymore. And once you hit that turbulence, a lot of people want to stop and slow down and go back into that comfort zone. That comfort zone where you're just kind of like you're kind of like soaring there in the air. But what you have to do is push through that. Just like turbulence and new levels, you have to push through that. And once you reach that, you'll be in the clear skies above the clouds. Clear skies, you'll you'll see so much further with so much clarity, so much more revelation than you did before. Uh, once I realized that, I was like, oh snap, that's what I gotta do. Because I've had this funk before. I've had this high. I've had this feeling of. Uh, God, this is going good. And then all of a sudden, my friends want to hang out. I want to do old things. I want to go drink again. I want to go out again. I want to uh, go have fun and stay out. Uh, but now it's like, what, what should I do? But you got to push through that. You got to push through that funk. You got to push through that hard times where it's, you have that decision though. You have, you have to know that you have that decision. Just because it's the old ways have been there and that's what you've been used to, doesn't mean you have to rely on that. And uh, when I, when I'm, started to make these uh, decisions, even though I slipped a lot and messed up a lot. I was going to church. You guys ask anybody. I was going to church, but right after, let me tell you something. So <clears throat> I chose, I chose uh, Familias to be on Wednesday because we had a choice back then because we had a lot more leaders. Uh, I chose Familia to be on Wednesday because Thursday nights, I was going to go out. Yeah, let that soak in for a little bit. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, David on. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's where I was. I chose familias on Wednesdays so I could go out on Thursdays. Uh, it, to me, it wasn't really, I, I didn't really take it seriously. I didn't take a May seriously. I didn't take familias seriously. Uh, but as I became more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, as I became more uh, just touched by other people's story and their testimonies, um, the Holy Spirit was showing me how to keep myself holy and set apart. Uh, keeping my body not only from drunkenness, but also being careful of what I said and did. For your actions and words are overflow of your heart. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, snap, I'm, I'm like cursing every other word. I'm, I'm just doing bad things, saying bad things, always trying to act, 
act a fool. <laughs> always trying to do something that I wasn't. Always trying to be someone and fill that spot uh, that I truly wasn't. At the end of the day, I would go home. At, uh, at the end of the day or in the morning, I would feel just, oh, I woke up. And what did I do? Do I have everything? Because I don't remember getting home. Uh, do I have my cell phone? Do I have my, you know, like my wallet? Do I have my card? You know, all these things. And I'm just like, man, like when is this going to stop? When is this going to stop? When you're, when you're 25 years old, all of a sudden you're going to stop and turn it off? Or are you going to start growing and maturing now? Um, the Holy Spirit was leading me and telling me to prepare myself. That my destiny is so much greater than what I thought it could be. That even at my young age, I needed to prepare and start stewarding what God was doing in my life. I received so much revelation and truth that shook my very foundation and beliefs. Um, once you realize that it's a process of renewing your mind, um, I was actually telling this earlier to somebody, but there's thought patterns in your mind, and there's things that come up to your mind, past sins or habitual sins that come into your mind that the devil also implants in your head. Um, I hope you know it's not just you. The uh, devil's there to always constantly work at you, work and, and tear you down, keep you in bondage. That's what bondage and strongholds are. Um, and once you realize that it's about a process, not just once, not an event, not one decision, but a process to renew your mind daily, uh, it's like working out. I don't know if you guys work out. I don't know if any of you guys play sports or anything. If you're trying to build muscle, you can't go to the gym one day and come out a, a bodybuilder. You know, you, you need to go in there every day, work your muscles. Working out is really tearing your muscles and regrowing them. Uh, and that sounds painful, and it is. When you're sore, I don't know if you guys have ever been sore. I'm sore right now. I play volleyball yesterday. I'm mad sore. My back hurts. But uh, it's, it's about a process, and it's, it's how dedicated you are to that process. If you're going to give in every now and then, if you're going to, you know, cheat on that Snickers bar, which I did the other day, and, like, you know, all the <laughs> – if, you, you know, if you're just going to uh, just not, not be committed, you're not going to get results. And so many people in the Christian faith believe it's a one-time decision. It's a one-time thing. Uh, it's it's uh, McDonald's, fast food, to go. Once you put your order in, you get it right away. And it's nothing like that. It's training. It's working out. Uh, I grew up with a performance-based mentality in all that I did. And if I didn't see immediate results, I would often give up or find a different way. Uh, this led me to believe that I had to do the same with Christianity. And therefore thought that as long as I was producing fruit in my life, I was being a good Christian. This very This belief to the very core is deception. You are not a son of God because you produce fruit. You produce fruit because you're a son of God. That revelation alone set me free. I thought I had to produce fruit to be a son of God, when in fact, all you have to know is that you're a son of God, and therefore everything you do is an overflow. Once you know your true identity, you can't be stopped. Uh, but because I didn't know this truth, and I would get frustrated, I sincerely frustrated at God, when I tried to produce good things and fruit in my life, and it wouldn't happen. I felt frustrated and upset because I thought I was doing the right thing, but didn't know why God wasn't moving in my life or answering my prayers. I had a completely wrong mindset of who I was and who God was. Once you truly find out who you are, and you find out who your father is, who your papa is, game over. That is why the devil spends so much and invests so much uh, into you to make sure that you never find out who you truly are. That way, no matter what you do, if you do it apart from your true identity, no matter how great or powerful, you will never be, never be satisfied. By acting out of anything other than a son, you will always be striving. And only servants strive. Sons inherit. As a son, you never have to strive. You automatically inherit. Do you know what that means, guys? You don't have to do anything. You already have it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything for it. You inherit the kingdom. You inherit God's love, and you will never change. And that will never change. Um, once you realize this, you are unstoppable, like I said. 
Uh, what the devil can't kill at ma- full maturity, he will try to kill at infancy. That's why he stops and tries to slow you down right now. When you're believing in this, when you're, when you're coming out to Emmaus, when you're, have you guys ever, on your way here, something pops up you got to do right before Emmaus? Me. No, no, seriously, every time. I don't know about you guys. Is it always raining on Tuesdays? Always? Every Tuesday, just Tuesdays. Um, you know, do you think it's coincidence? I do not think so. The devil knows, like, even for me, I'm very weather-oriented. If it's sunny and happy, yo, I'm sunny and happy. If it's gloomy like this, yo, I just want to go to sleep. It's like today, I just want to go to sleep. I'm not going to lie. I drink like four coffees. But uh, yeah, what I was saying was the devil knows this. He knows that he can stop you. He knows how powerful you are. So he's going to stop you now. He's going to try to stop you now when you're growing, when you're growing your faith, when you're working out. He's going to give you Snickers bar. He's going to give you that donut. He's going to, he's like, yo, he's going to make, maybe you drop a weight on your foot and be like, oh, this isn't for me. You know, no, you keep going. Keep building your faith. Keep, keep building who you are. Uh, you get stronger. Uh, that is why the devil does all he can to hinder you from that truth and makes trials and tribulations seem impossible for you to overcome to keep you from walking out in that truth that you're a son of God. Um, you know, there's so much power in knowing who, who you are. But the funny thing is, once you figure out who you are, it doesn't become all about you. So you think you know who you are, but you have no idea. Um, so you not only inherit the kingdom, you inherit the kingdom mentality. That comes with it. And you gain an eternal perspective. Now you're able to see like God sees. I'm not saying I have God goggles right now, but I'm saying that bits and pieces, a different degree of God is being revealed to me every day. Um, Now I'm able to see like God and see golden places that, and and people that I've never seen before. This renewal of the mind allows me to work and do things that I've never never had a heart for. In my own life, I would have never imagined taking a leadership position in ministry, especially Emmaus because it's in Korea. Um, if anything, I'll be the one ministers would target the most. Um, God was showing me that his plan and his love for me could truly overcome all, even my mindset, which I thought could never change. But you must remember, God will never give you anything you aren't prepared for. Just like a good father takes care of his child, God will never give you something he hasn't prepared you for. Just because you don't see God working in your life doesn't mean he isn't. And an analogy that I like to share and use and uh, remind myself every day is God is sending you radio signals. Think of God as a radio station. He's sending you signals, and you're, on, you're in an old a radio, and you have that dial uh, to look for God or look for other channels. Just because God is, God is sending you signals, but just because you can't find the channel doesn't mean he's not. And like another one that relates to guys, if you're playing football or soccer, uh, and you're turning the other way, and God's actually on that side kicking you the ball, just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not kicking you or passing you uh, the ball. You have to look for it. And he'll give you hints. He'll give you clues about where he's at. He's not trying to be devious. He's not trying to hide himself. He's trying to reveal himself, but also for you to seek him fully. Not like, oh, God, hey, uh, let me put you on pause. Do this and come back. God wants all of you. You pray to God, he answers you. You ask and pray for maturity. You ask and pray for God to build you. He's not going to go and... And open up a little potion of, hey, patience in your mind. Oh, you know, oh, uh, wisdom in your mind. He's going to give you situations. He's going to give you scenarios. He's going to give you trials, tribulations to build that. I have a younger brother, Jonathan, two years apart. Testing my patience like crazy. That boy, oh, my. Oh, my. He's now six foot one, so I can't beat him up anymore. But back in the day, back in the day when he was this high, I used to beat him up all the time. Physically, 
not really mentally. I, I wasn't that, I wasn't that really good with words, but you know, I would just, I would just mess with them. You little, you know, but, um, you know, and I would pray. I remember praying this because I was like, man, I want to be loving for my brother, but God, will you give me more patience? As soon as I prayed that, another trial, another, tri- uh, like, not trial, but, like, me and my brother would get in a fight or, like, I would get annoyed at him. They're like, oh, my God, God, why can't I be pa- more patient with him? And just, like, we'd fight, we'd bicker, and, like, my parents would get mad, you know, and I hated it. I didn't want my parents to ever get mad because it would be more stress for them. Um, and another thing is, uh, I don't know if you guys ever think about being a parent. I do it all the time. It's kind of weird, maybe, but... I think about, hey, like, you know, every time I see kids, I love kids. Um, I just like, yo, man, like, I want to have a kid so bad. Like, not right now, but, like, when I do, <laughs> when I do, I just want to love on them. I just want to love on them. You know, I want to be that good father who never leaves them, who provides everything. Uh, and just, like, if, if, if my kid wants to play with a little scissor because it looks cool and does things, I'm not going to give it to him. He's not ready for it. You know, and just like you, if you're praying for something, if you want something so bad, God is a good father. If you're not prepared for it, if you're not stewarding what you can right now to prepare and build for uh, that gift or where you're called, he's not going to give it to you because you might hurt yourself or others. Um, A quote I heard from Joyce Meyer is, uh, many have the talent to get them there, but not the character to keep them there. A newborn baby doesn't know why the father does what he does, but the baby trusts him and leans on him and him alone. Likewise, we must lean on God with that childlike faith and allow him to grow us and build us into the man and woman of God that he has destined us to be. Uh, it's all about the baby steps. Don't be discouraged because you fall once or twice. Just like a baby. Literally think of a baby right here trying to walk towards me. He might fall once or twice, but he's not going to give up. He's going to keep going. I don't, if he's crying or not, he's going to keep growing, going because he sees the Father. He sees someone who could, he can lean on, uh, depend on, and trust, uh, trust on. If that's a word or words. Um, and in the same way, the father looks, of a, looks, us, uh, looks at us like that, like a child, like a baby. Um, you know, he's not squeezing our cheeks, but he's, he's, he's looking at us, adoring us. He knows, he, knows, he knows your needs more than you do. He knows what you need. He knows what you're going through. Lean on him. Trust on him. Imagine like an l- infant like, trying to do something, wear clothes the wrong way, but doesn't even look at the father for help. In the same way, God wants to help you. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean he isn't. Look for his channels. Look for that sound waves. Look for the radio station. Uh, that's, you know, 107.5 God, you know. That was corny. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, it's all about the baby steps. It's about, um, it's about the eternal perspective, if you really think about it. It's seeing how, what God sees, and God will give that to you. He's going to give you that download. He's going to give you that revelation. It's, it's not something to do on your own. And he's going to give it to you bit by bit. He's going to give you what you can handle. Uh, that's what God's been teaching me uh, this semester, me being here. Uh, just a couple of semesters. I only I was here for one semester. Uh, one semester. So I know the power in one semester. So those of you who is one semester, one year, four years, one semester is all it took for me. And in the same, I gave it all to God. I gave it 100% to God. And what God did in three months of my life, more than 22 years of my own things. I wasted what felt like I, I, I got really pissed because I felt like I wasted 21 years of my life. To be honest, I felt like I wasted 21 years of my life. But what I thought was wasted, what I thought was chains, God has redeemed and now able for me to connect with others is now weapons for his ministry, tools for his ministry. So what held me back is now what's propelling me forward. So it's a catapult launching me forward. Um, and that's for you guys as well. It's not chains. It's 
God freed, freed us. It's whether or not we see it and able to see the chains off of our arms, off of our ankles, and walk through the prison, uh, prison doors. Uh, he already opened it. Just because we're used to the prison cell doesn't mean we have to stay there. As I've been honoring God's will in my life, God has honored me through the tremendous growth and transformation that I've been experiencing. I thought I was running away to Korea to escape from my problems, but when in reality, I was running back home to God. Uh, This is something, too. Something that someone shared during the New Philly Churchwide Retreat last year was, I've been crying out to you, Joe, and I'm proud you've chosen to come back home. I'm proud, and I delight in you. Guys, claim this. This is yours. Um... Now with this truth resonating in my life, I've been reaching new levels with God and have been experiencing growth that is beyond the progression. Once you give it all up to God, once you give him 100%, see what God does with it. See what he does. I don't know what you guys are scared of. I don't know what you're, what's holding you back. But something that I was kind of known for, something I didn't coin, but something I say a lot is no holding back. For me, if I'm going to do something, I do it with 100%. If my heart's not in it, I can't do it. God knew that. So he allowed me to go through the seasons of ups and downs, going through trials, going through the drinking stage, going through the partying stage, going through all that stuff, because he knew that he couldn't get me then. But he knew that th- those things wouldn't satisfy me. And it only took me a couple weeks for me to know that that wasn't enough. I would have to drink more. I would have to do more to just get a glimpse of that satisfaction. Now I- I've tasted and seen God's goodness. I've tasted and seen what he could do in my life. And if he transformed my life, I'm not even scared for you guys. I was the one way in the back. Didn't even clap. The, I, was, I was hungry. And I don't know about you guys. I eat a lot. <laughs> so I was hungry. I didn't want to be there. I was hungover. Like all these different things. But God knew me. He dug deep. And I, challenged, I didn't challenge God. I, but I gave it all to him. I said, God, whatever it takes. I don't care how vulnerable I have to be. I don't care what it takes. This semester right here. Open the doors. Change my life. So I, I titled this testimony, Distracted. And at the end, I wrote, I am distracted no more. Thank you, guys.